Swinging a line drive left field. Benintendi coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch. He did it. He got it. There we go. Time to party. Right here. 3 2. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a bonus segment of the Benny and the Bets podcast. Just myself, Terry Cushman, uh, for this episode. I'm basically going to talk about Francisco Lindor and then Kim Eng, the first female general manager in the history of American sports. She was recently hired by Derek Jeter to, you know, generally manage the Marlins. So anyway, we will start with Francisco Lindor. The reason I want to talk about him is because his market's a little tricky. It's tricky. He's got one year left, probably almost definitely is going to be traded before the season starts. He's only got that one year, like I just said. So tough to tell what kind of a haul the Indians can expect to receive for him. And then you have the bigger picture. Is he going to get that mega contract that most people have been expecting him to? And this would begin in 2022, which would be the first year of the new collective bargaining agreement, which is set to be negotiated next winter, not this winter, but the following winter. And, a lot of people are expecting a strike. So you got that going. We're assuming we're going to bounce back from COVID, hopefully as early as this season, and have uh, baseball stadiums in their full capacity for 2022 if there's no strike. And by having full capacity, it would be a lot easier to pay a player several hundred million dollars. So there's a lot of of trickiness. This isn't, you know, 2016 where a team can just sign a player with no obstacles whatsoever and put them on their roster. So let's go into the teams that I do not expect to be in play for Francisco Lindor. I'm going to start with the Dodgers. They basically paid Mookie Betts the second biggest contract of all time. 13 years, $365 million. Only Mike Trout gets paid more than that. Aside from that, they have to figure out a way to pay Walker Bueller. I don't know if Cody Bellinger is going to be realistic at this point because he's going to be probably north of $200 million. I don't know if that would be sustainable for the Dodgers with multiple huge contracts on their books. Corey Seager, coming off a great year, was the World Series MVP. 
I don't know if they plan to sign him. So I just, when you look at all of that, I can't see the Dodgers being in play for Francisco Lindor. Yankees, I don't see it either. There has been talk of it, but they are in desperate need of pitching. They basically have Garrett Cole right now and nobody else. James Paxton, free agent. Masahira Tanaka, free agent. He's completely washed anyway, in my opinion. They're going to get Luis Severino back from, I can't remember if it's Tommy John or shoulder surgery, but a major surgery. I don't expect he's going to make the opening day roster due to his recovery. Probably looking at May or June for him. So you got the Jordan Montgomery's you can put in there with him. I know I'm missing one more player. Um, Domingo Herman will be done with his suspension. Again, not a game changer. The Yankees need to pursue pitching. And are they going to give Aaron Judge that mega deal that most people have anticipated? I think it would be stupid. The guy can't stay healthy. You're seeing it with Giancarlo as well. That's seven more years of big money towards him. You have to wonder, are players that are six, seven, six, eight, are they durable? Because they're the prototypes, basically, and it's not working out. But... Is Brian Cashman dumb enough to still sign Judge anyway? Most likely. Glaber Torres also could be in line for a mega deal. So Yankees have a mess on their hands. Can't completely rule out Francisco Lindor, but it just doesn't look likely. Red Sox also kind of need to explore pitching. I don't see them going the way of a mega deal for a guy like Lindor. I think they too want to extend some of their younger guys early. Rafael Devers. I would love to see an Alex Verdugo extension. You haven't heard anything of that. It's not really on the radar, but I think it's something they should explore. And are we going to sign another big time pitcher? Maybe a Bauer type guy. And if you don't sign that type of a pitcher this year. Maybe you are next year. So that still kind of would complicate the Francisco Lindor signing. I don't see the Red Sox being really a fit. Bogarts has an opt-out next year. I think he wants to re-sign, you know, and basically extend onto his current deal. Not sure if Hein Bloom is going to be interested in that, but still another moving part uh, to the complications there. The San Diego Padres, another team, I can't really see it. They have Machado on big money. Another three or four years left of Eric Hosmer on big money. You probably are going to assume Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to get more money than Mookie Betts just uh, got. There was talk of a $400 million extension. And if you're going to sign a player to that, may as well do it in their early 20s. You're going to have Mookie and Trout at 37, 38, 39 years old making mega money. And you know they're not going to be playing at that level. So... The Padres might do it right. I'm never a fan of contracts that size, but if you're going to do it, sign a 22, 23-year-old to a deal like that. And I, it appears they're looking to do that. 
and they could probably benefit from a big-time starting pitcher. You know, they feel good about Chris Paddock, I'm sure, long-term. They're trying to extend uh, Clevenger for a couple more years beyond his current deal. I think that would be stupid. The guy can't stay healthy. I would stay away. But nonetheless, I don't see Lindor being a fit. You would probably have to put him at second base because Machado and Tatis make up the left side of the infield anyway. The Braves, another team, I just, they don't seem to be spending that type of money on anybody, position player or pitching. They were fortunate enough to lock up Ronald Acuna Jr. on a very team-friendly deal, which with the options at the end of it would keep him in Atlanta for a decade by the end of the life of the contract. So you got Ozzy Albies on a team-friendly deal. They've got nice young pitching. I think they're trying to stay away from seven- and eight-year deals. I don't see Atlanta being a fit for uh, Lindor. You could have the, the Nationals and the Phillies are somewhat erratic. Can't rule out either of those teams, but they do have needs elsewhere. Um, you know... A team like where Lindor could go could be a team like the Marlins. They're starting to be competitive. They did make it to the NLCS this year. Or was that the second round? My bad. Yeah, they made it into the second round, not the not the LCS. But it was still a much more competitive year than most people anticipated. It seems like their rebuild is nearing its end. And they could look at a guy like Lindor and say, you know what? If we sign a guy like him, that's going to show our fan base. We've, we've basically arrived. We're committed to putting good players on the field. And we want to be exciting. The Marlins could be a team that takes that step. Another team that's probably... A year or two away, that could do it. Maybe the Detroit Tigers, they're nearing the end of their rebuild. The Baltimore Orioles are probably more in the middle of theirs. They could sign a player like Lindor just to show their fan base. They're, you know, they're getting ready to compete. And, you know, and and they want to have a superstar to build around. So, you know, those are two teams. Can't rule out the Mets as well. They're going to be spending like, you know, they just won the Powerball. (laughs) They've got an owner that just bought the team worth $14 billion, something like that. So, but they're going to be targeting so many high-priced players, you know, Bauer, JT Real Muto, possibly George Springer. I don't know if they come away with all three, but... They're going to spend a lot of money, so it just depends on where they see Lindor. Maybe maybe he gets brushed to the side because they just value a few other high-priced people a little bit more. But nonetheless, can't rule out the Mets. Seattle Mariners kind of at the end. Well, not at the end, but they're progressing through their rebuild. They could use a franchise star. Maybe they see a guy like Lindor as well. I admittedly don't know where the San Francisco Giants are in their rebuild. They've been kind of borderline competitive anyway. They haven't had that terrible last place season, but they do not really have a superstar player. I guess you could say Mike Yastrzemski, you know, who kind of came out of nowhere. 
he's kind of on cheap money right now and he's approaching 30, which is crazy. But like I said, kind of came out of nowhere. Nobody really saw his rise, you know, as one of the game's better power hitters coming like they did. But maybe the Giants, they kind of missed out on some other players earlier in the decade. So we'll see. The point I'm getting to with Lindor ultimately here is he's going to end up with a team that not many people expect. So just kind of be open-minded. And if you do see a team like the Marlins, like the Tigers, like the Giants connected to him, there's probably something to it. So we'll see. And a team that trades for him will probably have a strong likelihood in signing him because like Mookie, there was a lot of uncertainty and he was hell-bent on going to free agency, but ended up just taking the easy, safe money. Maybe Lindor uh, takes that same route this winter if a team does, in fact, trade for him. One other thing to consider, though. Here's a comparison between him and Machado. Coming into Machado's walk year, which he was ultimately traded at the trade deadline from the Baltimore Orioles to the Los Angeles Dodgers, ended up, you know, really helping the Dodgers down the stretch. They got all the way into game five of the World Series against our beloved Boston Red Sox, and we beat them, ironically, with Machado getting the final out on a Chris Steele strikeout. Um, so Machado was a 33-war going into that final year with the Orioles. Lindor, only a 28-war with the Indians. So not quite as big in the war department as Machado was. Machado got a $300 million deal over the course of 10 years. That was when we didn't have to be afraid of a pandemic or a strike necessarily, you know, because the CBA was still, you know, a few years out. So less complications for Machado and he was a better player. I'll also take it another step forward here. Is Machado... Do the Padres regret that? I mean, he hit around 300 this year, didn't disgrace himself by any means, but he he's not the best player on the team. That's Fernando Tatis. And if they do sign him to a $400 million deal, that's almost a billion dollars in two players, basically in the left side of their infields. It's $700 million, but still, that's a lot of money. And I'm kind of wondering if... The Padres are thinking to themselves, you know, we didn't really have to spend that money. You know, we could have, we might not have had a good, as good of a third baseman, but we could have had someone serviceable. Maybe they go the short-term route with Josh Donaldson or what's another third baseman? I had another in mind before I came on, but of course I'm uh, drawing a blank right now. There was another third baseman that signed a, a shorter-term deal, but... But I don't know. I just wonder if the the Padres are 
sort of having a little bit of buyer's remorse. They definitely will on the second, on the back half of Machado's 30s, you know, his 36, 37, 38 uh, seasons. But yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how the market for Francisco Lindor develops uh, over the course of the next several weeks or months. Other big news, as I said in the intro, Kim... Ang, the first female general manager in the history of American sports, the general manager now for the Marlins. I'm not going to lie. I had to watch a YouTube video just to pronounce her name, just to figure out how she pronounces it, because her last name is spelled N-G. There's no vowels in there. So you got to make one up somewhere. So it's kind of like they put an E at the front of it, Kim Ang. And uh, just a disclaimer before I get to the rest of it, because, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a lightning rod and I'm not politically correct. So I'm just going to get out of the way right up front. It, it was a it was a good hire. I mean, she's qualified on paper. She's qualified. So, I mean, to all the people who think are you know the Aubrey Huffs of the world that are just extremely sexist you know this isn't the time for that she's definitely qualified she's earned the opportunity to fill that role with the Marlins so yeah and then you're also going to have people by the way who are like oh they're just doing it to you know, to make the history, you know, to just look like a nice politically correct organization. And you, you know what? There's no room for that either. Un- unfortunately, you know, there is a lot of activism going on in the world. So people are going to kind of, you know, throw that out there. In, in a perfect world, she would have been hired three, four, five years ago, you know, before you know, things got really insane, (laughs) you know, through the mainstream media and all the activism because she would have been qualified at that point as well. So um, definitely a good hire. Now, she spent some time uh, recently with the Dodgers. So a lot of high profile executives in that organization, very analytical as well. So she's up on the times. She also spent some time with the Yankees organization, which is great because now she knows what not to do (laughs) while she's with the Marlins. So yeah, beyond that, there's going to be a treasure trove of of good content because if you're like me and you like chaos and you like hating on the people that I was just talking about that are going to criticize the move, stick around because there, there will be a treasure trove of content. Like for instance, Don Mattingly will be the first manager in MLB history to be fired by a woman. (laughs) It's going to happen. And Mattingly is a classy guy. So I'm sure it's not going to be controversial, but you don't know what I would give to be a fly on the wall. If she had to fire like a Mike Sosha or a Buck Showalter type guy, that would be a very fascinating, you know, you know, situation. So there's going to be some firsts. Also, you know, some Marlins fans are eventually going to be savage, including people that, you know, Marlins fans that are in favor of that signing of Kim Ng. They're going to get into savage mode because eventually she she will screw up a trade 
or she'll make a bad signing that they get burnt on. And that's inevitable. That happens with just about every team. We've certainly seen it with the Red Sox over the last several years. You know, Pablo, Hanley, uh, David Price, who we're still paying $16 million a year for. Um, You know, so it's going to happen, and you're going to see fire Ang tweets on Twitter, and that's the circle of life for any general manager. Um, But yeah, you're going to see that. The one tragic thing about all of this, though, is if you Google her name, the name that pops up right below hers, Kim Jong-un, you know, the psychotic North Korean dictator. So, yeah, Google her name. Her His will come up right below it. So, uh, yeah, but if that's, if that's the biggest problem she ever has, obviously, um, you know, not a big deal. Kim Jong-un, though, is, like, insanely psycho. Like, he did, he murdered, like, half his family after he became dictator because he was paranoid that they were going to overthrow him. Murdered half his family. <laughs> Just crazy. Hillary Clinton must have been like, you can do that? <laughs> Just kidding. She, I don't think she would do that to Bill. But nonetheless, so with the Marlins going forward... In, you know, after signing uh, or hiring uh, Kim Eng, I hope it works out. You know, it's kind of a fun organization. I did enjoy their run through the postseason. You know, they beat the Cubs and then, uh, I forget, I think, the yeah, they played the Braves and might have won one game in that series. But Or no, actually, it might have been a sweep, actually. The Braves were just the much better built team and, you know, the Marlins are getting there, but the Jeffrey Loria era is over. You know, the Jeter era has begun and he's kind of building that team the right way. And he's brought in, you know, a smart, experienced executive uh, to, to help, you know, get them through the final stages of the rebuild. So, I hope for baseball in Miami, it, you know, becomes a a great baseball city. Um, You know, they've got a big Cuban uh, community down there. And obviously that's the number one sport in Cuba. So hopefully they can draw off of that uh, demographic as well as, you know, some longtime, uh, you know, Miamians. And uh, maybe we'll start to see that stadium built. Fun fact for Red Sox fans. John Henry, our current owner, was the previous owner of the Marlins like two or three owners ago. And then Jeffrey Loria was selling the Montreal Expos. And Major League Baseball specifically wanted John Henry to be the one to buy the Red Sox because they felt he was going to spend the money and you know, make the right moves and whatnot to make it a successful organization. And love or hate the guy, we have still won four championships under his ownership, you know, despite all the flack we give him. And it's good that history worked out that way because if Jeffrey Loria bought the Red Sox instead, we might, like, how many years? This would be a 100 and three-year curse potentially coming into this year 
if Jeffrey Loria was the owner. So Bud Selig at the time did some maneuvering, got Henry out of Miami into Boston, got Loria out of Montreal and into Miami, unfortunately for Miami. And yeah, so hopefully for the sake of that city, you know, baseball will thrive and the do- the Dolphins won't be the only, um, you know, big time sports franchise. Not that they've been very successful for a long time anyway. No deep playoff runs for them, but I don't think they have much trouble uh, selling out that stadium nonetheless. So, so yeah, hope you enjoyed this bonus episode. And uh, we could be back this week with a normal, regular episode um, if, if any uh, developments are to take place. So thanks again for joining, and uh, we'll be back with you very soon. Take care.